Welcome to BAMSI's Humanity First podcast. I am Chris Ryan along with Peter Evers. And today we are going to look back on a year of COVID as uh, BAMSI, along with many other organizations across the Commonwealth and the country, have had to make significant forced adoptions as a result of the COVID environment. All of our lives have changed and the lives of individuals around us have changed as a result of COVID. And uh, we are excited to be joined on the Founding First podcast, as always, by Peter Evers, who is the president and CEO of BAMSI. Peter, how are you? Well, thanks, Chris. How are you doing? Good. So take me through what this year has been like for you and what you feel uh, the adaptations have been like here at uh, at BAMSI before you uh, introduce our guests. Well, it's um, it's been quite a year, Chris. Um, I'm so constantly reminded that um, my first day at BAMSI was, I think, March the second, uh, and by the thirteenth, um, our world, everybody's world, changed. Um, and it's just, you know, not only have we had a year of COVID, but we've had a year of a lot of change in leadership at the organisation, um, and I think it's just added. Uh, to some of the the difficulties that we've we've come across, but the thing that sticks in my mind most as a relatively new employee to Bamsey is the is the dedication and just the and the compassion that I've seen over the last year in remarkably different difficult circumstances. I actually spoke to a member of staff today um, who who who's been working in daycare and, and resi, um, you know, and I said. I just said, you know, I just obviously, you know, I can't thank you enough for what you've done. Uh, you know, you have held this organization together by coming into work every day. You know, she did. She hasn't missed a shift all year. Um, and, you know, it was a very emotional moment uh, for her to, you know, to sort of look back on that and think I've been a part of something that has been remarkable. Uh, and that is replicated time and time again with staff who have just put, you know, their safety and their family safety on the line to to take care of um, uh, vulnerable people, uh, people that we are used to saying yes, we'll we'll care for those people. And you know, we're really uh, privileged today to have Barbara Gordon, uh, who is our VP of Nursing uh, at Bamsey, on the show. And I would say. Barbara, that you have become, um, and of course, I'm going to say something nice about, you know, so you're going to get embarrassed, <laughs> but you have certainly been um, the, the the light that people have followed here. You have been the leader who has really, you know, taken this on. And so many people speak to me and say, you know, Barbara has just been remarkable in this, in this pandemic and before, of course, but is everywhere you know, is, you know, going over to make sure that um, PPE was um, was worn properly, coming up with policies and procedures. And Barbara, I just don't know how you've done it. You must be exhausted um, after, after a year like this. Um, and, you know, I just, I just want to sing your praises because you have just been remarkable. Um, but I think, you know, you probably have an awful lot of stories <laughs> over this past year, and you're probably the most knowledgeable person in the organization in terms of knowing how we've managed um, this crisis and how we've come through it. So we thought it would be a great idea to have you on the podcast today and talk a little bit, uh, reminisce a little bit about what it's been 
the last year, while also um, recognizing, and I know you're going to say this, Barbara, that this, this isn't over yet. Um, we are seeing um, in other states, especially Florida at the moment with the um, spring break folks, that there, that this virus and, you know, its mutations have a really, are still around and we still need to, um, need to deal with them. So uh, welcome again to the podcast, Barbara. Lovely to have you here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's been a, a crazy and a tumultuous year, I would say, at best. Um, but I think that, I mean, it really, it started March 13th of last year when our day program, all our day programs closed. And then we actually had our, our first really uh, case of COVID. I still remember it was, a, it was March 27th. Um, and then from there, it was just rapid decision-making and changes. And really, we realized that as an agency, uh, we were able to come together during a crisis. We had to come together during a crisis. And uh, I thought, you know, for some time there that we were an agency that couldn't live with change <laughs> and come to find out that you can live with change, <laughs> that you have to in order to survive, really. And uh, we did. We had a, a ton of change, a ton of decisions. I I talked about, and, and you had sent out an email about our staff, but it was really leading. I mean, I, I think our it was leading through. Uh, like I said, it was tumultuous, but the courage that it took to come to work every single day, because you just didn't know, like from day to day who was going to be sick or, or what was going to happen, especially during that initial surge. And there was so much unknown at that time. And even, I mean, even working with the uh, Department of Public Health, our boards of health, doctors, like asking for guidance and advice. And I just, you know, people are like, we'll see what happens. <laughs> like crazy. And I would call people and be like, oh my gosh, I don't believe this. But we did so much in such a short amount of time. And that really was because of our employees kind of all got on, you know, they, they were there. They understood that we had to uh, make decisions. And so things like the uh, live-ins that we did, I mean, we had staff who came and lived in our programs. I, in a million years, never thought that could have happened. No. And that, just that alone, um, probably saved so many lives and kept so many people from getting sick. Um, and that was a, a big venture for people to pack up and leave their homes and their families and, and come live with our person served. And, and, and that alone was just the testament to the type of employees that we have here you know, at BMZ. Yeah, and and yeah. I think you know I, I had mentioned I had mentioned in that uh, email that some folks who had done live-in would then go and stay in a hotel for a few days to make sure that yes. they were so that they weren't going back to their families and, and to keep them safe. And it's just, stories like that are just so moving. And I think you know one thing that struck me is you know the 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 pandemic was the pandemic, and a lot of people sort of went into lockdown, and a lot of people went sort of just sat it out, which was the right thing to do, you know, because businesses closed down. Yet our staff couldn't do that. So they were living this sort of dual life of a pandemic. You know, you've got your family who's at home worrying, but 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 those staff are getting up and they're, you know, 
coming into work and they're putting in a full shift and they're worrying about it. This pandemic has had a, a very sort of differential effect um, on you, depending where you are and what kind of job you do, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I do think that in the field that we work, I, you know, there's a lot of purpose in what we do. And I, I do think that the purpose of, of our work kind of drives most people to do what is really could be seen like it just, you know, something that you would never think of doing, right? Um, and there's so many stories out there of even other healthcare professionals living in RVs and, and all sorts of different ways to keep their, their families safe. So, yeah, I mean, again, you know, we have, a, I, I think people that work in this profession and who work in the community, just they're, we're just a different breed. We have a drive and, and we're willing to, um, I think people are willing to put themselves out there to protect other people. So it was, it's pretty. That being said, Barbara, mm -hmm. that, that being said, Barbara, this circumstance was obviously different in what it required of you. And there was, you know, a necessity to, to help when you, when you needed to, to do so. And but what did you find out about yourself and about your staff in that everyone has that commitment as you referenced, but this was above and beyond and continues to be where this has been a very challenging circumstance. What did you learn about yourself and also the people that work with you here at Bamboo? Um, what I learned about myself. Well, I, I, uh, hmm, that's, it's a hard question to answer first. I mean, as I mean, I'm a nurse, this is my profession. And, and I did learn, I mean, in, in terms of like, I, I can't hide in the corner and people need to see me. And, and so I, I did learn that, um, I mean, again, I, I still think about the fear. I, I, we all experienced fear and we all had that fear. And we used to talk about it. And I learned that we could work through that fear when we actually had each other. And then not only did we have each other though, but we had people relying on us. And so I, I did learn through myself that um, that when people rely on us, like this is my profession and this is what I need to do to to get us through this and to get our person served through it and our staff through this. Um, I learned, I mean, I just wanna go back to our staff. I was in the group homes a lot with our staff. Um, and they just were amazing um, in terms of, again, being there for our person served, leaving their families and, and that, the, the going above and beyond, the feeling of, of, of purpose in, in what they did um, and, and in caring for people, it just, I think, went a long way, so. This, this question's for both of you. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about what workplaces are gonna be like once the vaccination you know, reaches the masses, obviously folks here have been vaccinated, person served. Um, what do you envision BAMSI looking like um, now that we have reached this phase where it, we're starting to see things open up again on a more consistent basis? People are getting vaccinated. What, what are things gonna look like uh, here um, in the coming weeks and months? Start with Peter. 
Things are gonna look good. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna they're gonna look a lot better than they did, you know, six months ago, nine months ago. Um, I, Chris, it's, that's just the the sort of that's the question, and I think we're all still waiting to hear what guidelines we're going to get from the state. I mean, Dayhab uh, is is a great example of we need some help and guidance about what Dayhab is going to look like, because still to this day, we're dealing with this 113 square feet per person. Um, and in, in that setting where you know, there's been some relaxation in other settings, um, I think we look at the guidelines, but we, we, we use caution. I mean, I don't think there's any point in just throwing caution to the wind and saying, all right, everybody back, back to work. I think we have to gradually see what this is like. We have to understand what percentage of people vaccinated in our communities means in terms of herd immunity and the safety of people in the workplace. Um, and then, you know, Barbara, you made a comment the other, a few minutes ago, and I think it's so true that people don't know how much they can change until they have to change. Um, and I think that is the huge lesson that we take from here. There were no alternatives. It was forced adoption or nothing. And so we adopted. Um, and I think we have to take some of that back into the uh, back to the future, if you like, to say, well, you know, what are our workplaces like now? What are what are some of the things that we can do to mix and match? And everybody talks hybrid. The, the, the word the word of the year so far has been the hybrid model. If you look at schools, you look at most places, some places, insurance companies are probably never going to come back to work. They're probably going to be entirely remote. I would say in a human service agency, that would be a disaster. You know, we're a human service agency. We crave human contact and, and, and we need to learn from each other's experience and share those experiences. And Zoom is fine and, and, and we've done well with it, but I can't wait until we're back in safely, you know, in the same room and we're, we're talking and looking at each other's sort of body language and and getting to know each other again in some ways. And I think that I do very much look forward to that. But I do think that it'll be some hybrid model where not everybody is in the, in the office five days a week because now we have the technology and support and understanding of how to do that differently. So I, yeah. I know that's a non-answer, but I'll, I'll throw that over to Barbara. Well, I think part of it too is we're still, there's still the, an element of unknown. And we've been working in this kind of gray unknown area for actually... A, a good part of well actually since the pandemic started and so while we've learned I think there's been so much information and science has picked up there's still an element of the unknown right so we just had a, a, a second surge there I, I thought we were going to be done with surges and then okay. like they're like hinting at another surge and I you know so there's still that element of the unknown so to your point you know the hybrid model being cautious we don't have to jump in. And like Dr. Fauci says, it's, you know, it's not a light switch. Don't, you don't have to turn it on and off, but take your time um, moving into, um, into a more normal environment. And I think a lot of people with the vaccine, I mean, people were hoping for more faster. Um, and unfortunately, we're being told to, to be careful. And I, I agree, I think we should be careful. Um, having said that, um, I do think there's opportunity to get out and do things, but to be cautious. And, and that's what I recommend. We, you know, I, 
if, if you can get vaccinated and we're still working with our staff, because not everybody is vaccinated. And that's the other thing we have to be cautious about is, yes, we can get people back in, but that doesn't mean everyone's been vaccinated and the risk is any less. And so we're still on a mission to get people vaccinated. Um, we had a, a couple, if I can get into that a little bit, we did have some vaccine clinics and we're partnering up with Brockton Neighborhood Health Center um, to get our staff vaccinated um, and, and to help people um, understand. And I, I do think right now I see there's a, been an uptick in interest in vaccinations because now that we've gone a, a couple of months, there's the Johnson & Johnson vaccine um, people, I think, are starting to feel a little more comfortable seeing their colleagues vaccinated and that people did okay. And that some people are, you know, taking advantage of, of having the vaccine under their belt and, and, and getting out a little bit more. So, yeah, I, I spoke with the governor of New Hampshire today, um, Chris Sununu, about the numbers up there. And he said once the vaccination period ends that he expects only 45 to 50 percent of granite staters to get the vaccine. I would assume those numbers are going to be similar in Massachusetts, um, given the relative proximity, maybe a tick higher. So what does that mean in terms of reintegrating a workplace? I would assume that you're going to have to assume that people aren't vaccinated um, and kind of move through a process that looks very similar to one now with a hybrid model, but still with the same type of practices in place. So do you think that that, that number is kind of going to be where we end up? And how does that relate to um, the percentage of BAMSI uh, folks who've been um, uh, vaccinated? Robert, you want to take that? Well, I, I do. So I, I was trying to think I, I don't know what the data is for Massachusetts right now. I thought I, I thought it was 32%, but I, I don't wanna, uh, I'm not really yeah. sure. Um, I mean, I, I can't imagine we're gonna be any different than any other state. And we're probably gonna have a higher vaccination rate than most states, I think, because the, um, the governor, uh, you know, I, I think has, has um, done a, a decent job. It's still hard to get vaccinated. I think if they kind of solve that process, you know, streamline that process a little bit, um, I think more people will have the opportunity. I know there's opportunities right now to get actually the vaccine into the community more. And I think that will help people get vaccinated. But in terms of getting back, I mean, to into the office and into a more normal environment. Recently, I, I had a, a dentist appointment and a, a, another doctor's appointment. And I was asked if I was vaccinated. And while that didn't change anything, I, I started wondering, geez, is that gonna be the next question we're gonna be asking people? Like, are you vaccinated? Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I don't even know if we can exit. I, I know I was asked. Um, so I think, again, there's more to come on, on how all that is, is, gonna, is gonna work out. He also signaled that there was going to be a hands-off approach in regards to, and again, New Hampshire and Massachusetts have acted very similar during the course of the pandemic. There's going to be kind of a hands-off approach where once the vaccination period had been offered to everybody, uh, businesses were going to open at 100% um, and things were going to be back to normal and they would be left to themselves to make the determinations as to what takes place in those um, in those environments. And I think that you have a really good point, Barbara, in that people are going to get the vaccination based upon, you know, their um, 
choices and their lifestyle choices in some circumstances where they're going to be asked about, you know, going on a cruise, do you have your vaccination card? I think that businesses are going to create an environment and kind of take this over and push people in, in one direction or another where government may take a, a step back and um, make that handoff, whether that should occur or not. Um, that seems to be uh, where we might be headed. Yeah, I think now you can travel in Massachusetts. You can travel if you're vaccinated. You can come back into Massachusetts without having to fill out their card and, and telling on yourself that you traveled outside. Um, you don't have to do that now, and and that's actually a nice little benefit. I, I know plenty of people who traveled and came back and uh, notified the government that they had been out of state and and then made sure that they got tested and all of that. So I agree. It's 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 a little bit of probably peer pressure, not necessarily peer pressure, but the society uh, will dictate. And if people want to get out and travel and, and, and do things, um, it, people will have more of an interest, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how office environments you know, work out. It's still plenty of time, mm -hmm. but still have to give people time to get vaccinated. I think it'll be through the summer. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, you know, there, the, unfortunately, this whole thing got politicized really early on. And so it sort of, it sort of split the country. And, you know, when you think about this, I read last week, Barbara, that there was, a, there were not enough people to be vaccinated down in the South. People are just not showing up. Uh, and so they've got, you know, an excess of vaccinations down in the South and they can't get enough up here. And, and, and that tells you a lot about how different states are thinking about this. And that comes directly from the, from the governors. You know, if you look at um, DeSantis, for instance, in, um, in Florida, uh, and then you compare that to the governor of Massachusetts, you know, you'd think you were dealing with two different pandemics. It's just, it's just remarkable. Um, and so I think that that's another thing we have to consider. You know, we, we could do well in Massachusetts, but, you know, we have to do well everywhere. And I, I kind of agree what Chris, with what Chris said, you know, if you take the government out of it and you let the market decide, and I think about businesses, you know, you're gonna come to some kind of compromise if you can't keep staff because you're allowing people to come in without masks or you're losing customers because, you know, other customers are worried. I think that'll all sort, sort itself out and we'll, make our decisions that are in the best interests of our staff and the people that we serve. Um, and that is a, a, a fine line that we'll continue to walk, but we'll also continue to talk about it all along the way. Is this a good time to do, um, to, to put in place some new policy? Well, we're not, we're not convinced that it is, so we'll hold on a bit. You know, we, we can use an abundance of caution here and, and I think we'll be fine. Yeah, we've been businesses as well, though, kind of liked the environment in which um, the things existed where they didn't have to be the bad guy. It was like, oh, it was the governor saying that we have to do this or you know, the local municipality is saying, oh, yeah, wear a mask. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, I think that that's the direction we're headed in now. Um, but a lot of this, I think, has been driven by the public uh, will. And you know, there's a different mindset in a state like Massachusetts um, than there is in a state like Alabama. And so um, you can, as a public official, you can only ask people to do, particularly in a circumstance like in 
like this, what they're willing to do. So if the state is asking for a mask mandate, you feel like that's the will of the people, then that's the direction you end up going in a lot of times as a public official. If you're going to say, you need to all be wearing a mask, and the people are saying, no, we're not going to, it makes you look bad, and you haven't really changed anything in terms of the, um, the public health side of things. So it's always a fine line between what is the, the government doing versus and who's leading who? Is it the people or is it the, the public official, uh, Barbara? Yeah, I mean, lack of a national strategy. I mean, if we'd had a national strategy in place, things could be different, but we'll never know, right? Um, and I, I think it would have been easier to, um, I, I think to implement masks across the board and get people, um, have some safer practices. I mean, for me, what I've told people, because you know everyone's like, oh, Florida, th their cases aren't any higher than Massachusetts, but we'll never know if it, things could have been better for people um, because we didn't have a national strategy, you know, in place. But here we are now, <laughs> <laughs> and and um, I mean, I I think what I try to tell people is, you know it's mitigating risk. It's tough to be sick with, with COVID. And, and while most people, the symptoms are mild, there are some people that get really sick and, and people that never were sick before. You can get sick. Um, geez, it was just on the news. I thought this was terrible that the, is it the CEO of Outback yeah. had COVID symptoms that he struggled to uh, live Texas with. Roadhouse. Texas Roadhouse, yeah, right? Yeah, committed suicide. Took his own life, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the symptoms can be lingering and difficult. And so it's, to me, it's about mitigating that risk. And we're not home free yet. We still have a ways to go. Yeah, in conclusion, I want to touch upon that. And, you know, it's, we all want there to be an end to this. And I think that, you know, whether it's public officials or others kind of want the Memorial Day, vaccination period when it concludes to kind of be the end of COVID, but not to be the bearer of bad news. Um, I'll give that over to you, Barbara. Um, the COVID is gonna be something that's gonna be with us, I think for for a long period of time. And from a, from a medical perspective, I mean, do you, how does this end? Like, is it just something where we are, it, it's like the flu and um, we get vaccinated in kind of a, a routine basis, whether it's biannually or annually? And it's always kind of with us. Does it, um, do we develop a herd immunity? How does, is there any realistic end to, to this over the next uh, bit of time? Well, I think time will tell, but I do think that, I mean, I do see it more like the flu where we might have to get vaccinated annually. Um, but of course, I mean, there's variants out there and this is a pretty smart virus, I would say. Mm -hmm. And um I do think because of those variants, and there's still, I think, a lot to learn about the variants and how deadly they can be, and, and um, that we're in this for the long haul. Yeah, I don't see us, I don't see this ending anytime soon. I, even, I mean, herd immunity, I mean, I, 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 that would be great. I think they were talking about maybe summertime, but I think that there's just a lot of still unknowns. And um, because of that, I think. Um, we are going to be masking and gloving and disinfecting for a long time. Yeah. And I encourage people to take care of themselves and to mitigate risk and to use the precautions in place, even if you have been vaccinated. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, you know, my hope is that we listen to the facts and we listen to the science and the science is going to give us 
good information on how we get out of this. And um, and I think I, I you know I do I do think that that a lot of research is going on, and we just have to we just have to be well read about that. We have to be well informed, uh, and we have to keep people's safety in mind. Uh, and if that means disinfecting for a little bit longer, or continuing to wear masks, or continuing our um, our efforts to get everyone vaccinated, then that's what it takes. Um, this is a very dangerous time. It's not perhaps as dangerous as it was at the beginning because we've learned a lot, but we're not out of danger yet. But I would like to end with something positive, which is there's a lot of hope, and we are heading down the right in the right. We are in the right direction. So I couldn't agree. Barbara. More. Lose hope. You know, I, I also agree. We've made a lot of progress. We've learned so much about ourselves and I kind of bring it back full circle, our resolve, our ability to um, to handle difficult circumstances and try to make the best out of it. Um, that we all deserve to kind of pat ourselves on the back for what we've been able to accomplish over the last year. And um, I'm certainly proud of everything that's been done here and all the challenges we all had in our personal lives to try to make this a, a, a as good a situation as possible. Barbara, thank you so much for your time. Peter, as always, great chatting with you. And uh, we shall come back again next week for another edition of the Humanity First podcast.